Hey, Johnny. Hey, Tara. Um, do you want to tell the people our, our dirty little secret about when we record? <laughs> well, I thought it was important to have full disclosure today. Today we're recording on June 3rd, which is a Wednesday. And we don't know when we're dropping this episode, but uh, yesterday was meant to be our our normal episode, and we decided to go dark uh, because of the protests in deference to the family of the victim, uh, George Floyd, and the Black Lives Matter cause. We didn't think an uh, episode which didn't deal with the issue, which is the one we had in the can, wasn't appropriate to air. So um, we're back, and uh, we're going to be talking about and the reason we mentioned the date is to, that something significant just happened in, in this case, which is that the other police officers um, that were a part of the murder have been charged. And um, Siobhan was up to second degree murder from third degree murder, so. Correct. Um, I think this is the right step. I think, you know, I think we're on a long journey still ahead. Um, I think I heard a, someone on television today describe it as a uh, a marathon through mud <laughs> of what's coming <laughs> up next. Yeah. So yes, we are, but it's in, but it's also a, a a victory, right? Because I think the populace at large is demanding justice, and I think that um, I think we're at least in the process of trying to get it right. Well, I that's that's my hope. Um, but I also said that, you know, after the Rodney King thing, and here we are. Um, yeah. But I think that anything that moves us forward and anything that um, it's just super important. I think it is so important that we'll see what happens when they go to trial. But yeah, I, I was shocked that charges hadn't been brought to them. And I think that that added to the unrest, you know? I think that, that it, it did. Because yeah. that's what I well, was doing. It's also, but, but I, I, think, I think why it's really, really important to me is that it speaks to addressing the systemic problem, which is, sure, there are racists that are in positions of power or in positions to carry a gun that are doing these heinous things. But if you're one of the three others or however many more are involved that stood and watched that happen, neither you or I would ever allow that at our work environment to have someone be, you know, handled that way. And I think it's really important for to crack into that wall of silence that exists in police departments, you know. I think the code of silence is is no longer, it, it, it can't, we, we can't do that. We can't have our no. officers. No, uh, it's not okay, and it's and and you and I had a conversation about, you know, uh, I, personally as a white woman with with privilege, I am doing a lot of listening because I think that's what I need to do right now. I need to yeah. not just I need to listen and try and and be as good of an ally as I possibly can be. And I hope that's what everybody is doing, uh, however you want to do it. And that doesn't mean that you have to go on. Just talked to a friend of mine who said that she was feeling shamed because she was not talking a lot about it on social media. And I said, don't. I said, you're doing other things. There's no, we right. don't shame people. We can't. Um, but it's been a really, really depressing few weeks. 
And I think yes. this is one tiny little bit of positive news. I'll take it. Me you know? too. And, and, and to add to that, we, we, are, we are adding a, a positive guest. We have someone who is uh, a light. He is a uh, one of the most kind directors I've ever worked with. Um, and he is someone whose point of view on what is happening I want to get, because he's also a very spiritual person in a great town. So we're going to talk to Anthony Hemingway, uh, you know, Emmy winner for um, uh, American Horror, I mean, not American Horror Story, American Crime. Uh, he is the director of Red Tails, which is a really big movie in 2012. And I'm just excited to talk to him about his career and his life. He just got married. Um, but most importantly about, uh, you know, as a black man in America, how he's feeling right now, you know, and um, um, I'm excited to get him um, to get him on the air soon. So why don't we take a little break and come back with the incredible Anthony Hemingway. Hi, everybody. We are back and we're joined by the fabulous Anthony Hemingway, director extraordinaire, producer. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> God, I, I'm like getting a big head over this. Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> you, you, you truly are. You're, you're kind of, you're just the shit. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm flattered you guys are having me. Thank you so much. Thank Anthony, you. you know how much I love you. And I just got to say for the record, every time you became a director at the Closer of Major Crimes, and I was fortunate enough to be in one of those episodes it was the best time i ever had because not only of your artistry and your ability to get actors to where they need to be emotionally but you made it so damn fun and you're just such a positive light of a person and you're you just exude love and i'm so happy you're here this week you know we're going through a national crisis several of them actually uh you know COVID is one virus and racism is another. Um, how are you feeling about everything? You know, I have to say, first of all, thank you. Um, I love you. The love and feeling is beyond mutual. Um, mm. I look forward to every time I would read your character in any piece <laughs> I did over there. I, I was excited. I, I, I think I actually got to a point where before I started and I knew I was coming, I would you know, try to ask James to make sure that I had scenes with you because you just, you know, you bring so much, just a wealth of humanity and life and, and all of everything into your performance, your character. And just, again, even outside or off camera, like you said, you made my, my days there fun. So uh, thank you for that. Um, oh, I but am you confused. Anthony, it's Jonathan Del Arco. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Tara. She's very, she's very jealous, Anthony. But today, oh. you know, today is significant. Um, yeah. I think just in the, in the obvious wake of what has been going on yeah. for years, um, historically, uh, systemically, you know, much like so many others, it, it, you know, I've become exhausted yeah. by it you know it's just the the number of times you see things so clearly um and uh you know and 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 they're resulted in such an unjust unfair way 
Um, mm. It's, you know, it's what does that tell tell you, you know, and, and mm. it's just a sad person. And just, you know, thinking about the, the double whammy, I, I'm a queer person at the same time. So it's thinking about constantly, my head is on a swivel, you know, half mm. the times I walk through the threshold of my house, you know, I've, I've had personally in my, my lifetime, you know, my police issues, you know, I was arrested mm. once uh, when I was working in Baltimore on the wire season one and was thrown in the back of a paddy wagon after being accused over and over and over from a police officer that I was, you know, looking for drugs because I drove a Range Rover. Um, oh. and, and yes, I was in a bad neighborhood. I knew it. I got lost. I, you know, the irony in the story is I had filmed all day at Central Booking and, um, was taking the street back to where my apartment was. Um, I got turned around and, uh, you know, found the street that I was familiar with. And then that was going to take me home. And, you know, shortly after kind of getting my bearings, I was pulled over and um, basically accosted by the cop. And, you know, a after a certain point, you just get worn out by trying to be, you know, trying to, 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 to be civil and, 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 and talk to them, you know, as mm -hmm. like they mm -hmm. should be talking to you, you know, and um, it just resulted into not a good situation to where I was thrown into after a, an exchange of words because it got so, you know, too far to where he just was insulting, insulting, insulting. And, you know, I just basically verbatimly said, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. And so, of course, he just then, you know, just threw it right back in my face and was like, oh, fuck you, fuck you, you want me to fuck you? And of course, at that point, I had wow. to, you know, I had to perform now at that point. I was like, no, you're not my type. <laughs> <laughs> did you really say that? <laughs> I really did say that. I, I mean, I had you. to find some joy in it because I knew what was coming. So unfortunately, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I was thrown, he had called, you know, a gang of cops in the paddy wagon. They threw me, they handcuffed me, threw me in the back of the paddy wagon. And this is why I know the Freddie Gray situation was true and what happened to him happened because I was driven around the city for 45 minutes after that, thrown around in the back of a paddy wagon. Thank God I'm here to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, and didn't lose my life, unfortunately, like Freddie Gray. Um, but but because it happened to me, I knew when that came out and the cause of a part of the cause of what, you know, took his life um, was revealed. I was, you know, all over everything that, that, that I could, you know, you raised my voice to say that this is, it happened because I, it happened to me, you know. Um, so, you know, after just, you know, when one has been dealing with it personally, and then of course seeing, you know, so many people in the community and, and you know, the race of people that I am in, and it's like, you just see it over and over and over and over and over again, and you just get worn out by it. And so it's yeah. just been, you know, I, I understand why people have been, you know, enraged and, and to the degree of, looting and and rioting I, you know it's it's wrong i i on my own platforms and have been trying to get out there and say myself to to you know try to refrain from it because it's unfortunately as one who also try to live a life of you know 
being an, an example, you know, to help yeah, you be are. a part of the how, be a part of the, the change, you know, and right. and offering whatever mechanisms that I can to bring the healing that we need, you know. Um, I you know I get it. It's just it's people are are fed up, and until thank God, so today, hearing that charges are happening, um, you know, it's bringing some light, some ray of hope. Yes to to the world and you know and and within any darkness or storm you know it's followed by light and and yes. and we can only hope that you know this is waking all of us up to just to continue to do better be better you know come yes. together and and you know break down what has has cursed us in the past you know, and find a breakthrough to to a better tomorrow. So today is significant in that way. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm jumping around the house earlier. Me and my husband were just shouting, you know, yeah. so excited and happy to oh, just to see some, some, you know, moment of victory, you know. I agree. And let me ask you something. Do you, because in watching what is happening around the world because of this moment, I can't, you know, I'm Latino, but I, I pass for white. So let's be honest. I don't, I don't suffer the racial uh, profiling that happens to a lot of my own Latino brothers and sisters and my you know, African-American brothers and sisters. I don't suffer that because I don't look as if I'm not white. But I sympathize and I get that feeling because I am Latino and I am an immigrant and I am gay, you know. And so mm -hmm. it feels very personal to me as well. But one of the things I'm looking at, and tell me if you see it, I'm very moved when you look at the protests at the amount of diversity that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's exciting to see yeah. that because that I feel is a reflection of hopefully where we're going, you know, right. and to see the support and to see an awareness and just, you know, respect across lines yeah um, and people you know re recognizing and and you know supporting the cause and the movement um it is uh a, 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 i'm happy to see that you know and within it it's obviously you know generationally the new generation is gonna have to stand up and to help find that new way because That's right you know as we move forward they're gonna be it's it's their tomorrow it's their future yeah yeah did you see that clip of the, there were two men, one was 30, one was in his 40s, both black, and they were at a protest screaming at each other and trying yeah. to talk about, did you see that video? It's it was three really, generations. And then, yeah. And there was a kid, <clears throat> was, there was a 16-year-old. Yeah. Oh, man, that was so powerful. Yeah. Uh, uh, to, each, to each, see, one, like, each one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teach one, yeah. Yeah, moving forward. I mean, look. Uh, Black Lives Matter has been around for a long time. We've been protesting these kinds of things over and over and over again. You know, um, I do think this moment feels different to me. And I'm yeah. hopeful that um, we'll get some change. You know, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the justice system needs major reform. I mean, we could spend hours talking about where it's all yeah. gone wrong, but we're not going to do that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to focus on joyful things because <laughs> you, my friend, have a beautiful career and your work is so lovely and, and loved. And I, I want to 
I want to talk about how you became a director and give folks a little bit of hope about, you know, what it means to, to be you and an artist in America right now. So we'll take a little break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Anthony about his career. We'll be right back. Um, we are back <laughs> with the fabulous Anthony Hemingway, and we're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk some career stuff now. Can I ask you how you got? You started off as a first AD, did you not? I did. Um, I'm second generation by way of my mother. I grew up in this in this business. Um, Me too. Uh, I yeah, I'm like you. I really feel like I was born and birthed onto a set because um, I've been <laughs> in it and around it my entire life. <laughs> I can't yeah. get away from it. Um, but uh, so working with so many great artists and filmmakers, you know, a a around the world, thankfully, and around my day, you know, experiencing many different processes and coming in at it well into it at such a young age really helped kind of you know the 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 structure was different you know i was talking to an aspiring assistant director the other day and you know when i i started peeing when i was 12 uh what? so i i was the youngest member person to join the dga at the age of 19. Oh my um, God. and <laughs> and the youngest first first AD at the age of 22. So, um, and I AD'd for hmm, about eight, nine years before I started directing. Well, no, I was a first AD. So I was all, all in all, I AD'd for about 12 years before I directed. Um, wow. But, you know, being a, a person who loves to learn, loves to grow, um, you know, I was a sponge in so many different uh, spaces along my life and my journey of learning from so many great artists and filmmakers and storytellers. And so, you know, it all, that was my college. That was my education. You know, I was definitely, I went to school hard knocks. So I did was, my, you know, sorry, go ahead. Was the end game always for you to be a director? Was that always your passion? It wasn't, you know, my reference point when I decided to really continue this path, because when I grew up, my passion was to be a doctor. I've always wanted, had this thing about healing and saving mm. people and trying to help create, you know, just better, uh, help to contribute to a better world. And so that was my childhood dream. And my senior year in high school, I had a major change of heart and it just left me and I was at a crossroad of confusion. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I completely had no idea where to go, what to do. My father's a Vietnam vet. So he, you know, in, 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 in advising me to at least build the foundation, start building a foundation for myself, he uh, advised at least to entertain the the military and you know go you know still study medicine in the military all those things I I swore in and swore right back out. <laughs> wow! I was like, oh. yeah, I was like, this isn't for me. So um, yeah. I got out, and at that point, I just got back onto a set, you know, just to at least find some independence. And Bruce Paltrow, who had been a a close family friend, my mother worked for him several times, and. It was that particular job, which was uh, a series called uh, The Road Home. Um, Bruce Paltrow, Mark Tinker, um, 
they were the producers on it and that was a defining moment for me i you know in several conversations with bruce it just you know the conversations helped me really kind of connect the dots and just light bulbs in my head was turning on and i just at one point stood and just kind of considered just you know staying in something that i had already you know invested in i started i that i had at that point four years of investment as a pa already um and so he was my reference and i wanted to be a creative producer so that was you know and having already started in production it was kind of a perfect um just transition um and and progression to just stay in production and become an ad and then you know so on and so forth become a, a, a creative producer and along the way i say it was actually two three years before i got my debut to direct that i started getting a different kind of creative itch and taste in my mouth and, and that was partly because i was thankful enough to work with a lot of uh filmmakers who allowed me to be a part of the creative circle who allowed me to have a voice and i cared again that was kind of a time where things were a little different you know the the sets were and, and it's interesting how i'm looking at how we're going to have to be post covid i'm like yeah. i understand and know how that is because i'm used to working on more of an intimate production um mm. you know smaller crews and so yeah. that just doing it that way enabled me to learn you know more and, and and i'd even say better because i had more you know more intimate connection with every department and every you know crew person more than you would now um it was really hands-on and intimate and everybody really at that back then really felt uh a part of you know the collaboration um it was a little different than than you know times have kind of gotten um a little mm -hmm. bit uh, but um so bruce was my my uh reference point and so it was at that point um and, oh i already said that sorry so about three years prior to my debut i started to really you know find or or get a taste for just different aspects of the process and of the storytelling and i you know that's why i always say directing found me because I wasn't seeking it, you know, it was that I, I, I always cared about my contribution as an AD. And so, and thankfully, because I had people who really allowed me to and, and you know, nurtured that and fostered that uh, participation, it all just started to kind of fall into place and, you know, it happened. And, 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 and you know, the beauty in it that I also feel that was affirming and confirming for me was my producers on the wire actually offered me the opportunity to direct before I even asked. Wow. You know, they they came to me and said, you know, because thankfully, again, I came out of a family, you know, Bruce Paucho, uh, Barry Levinson, Tom Fontana, that kind of a, you know, that, that, yeah. that team of creatives is where I really came from under, you know, they believed in building from within and giving opportunity from within and, you know, so uh, my executive producer, David Simon and Nina Noble both called me up on one Saturday. I was walking my dog in the park and they basically, this was season three of The Wire, and they told me that, 
you know, I was, you know, they'd been, you know, obviously watching me. We've been a family forever. And they offered me an opportunity to direct the next season, you know, with the caveat that I would AD, you know, and until I got to direct. Um, and I just, like, I fell on the ground and boohooed and like oh. a baby because yeah. it was the thing is what anyone would want, you know, when you're wanting yeah. something, you know, and you're feeling something and 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 just things are pointing in the right direction and signs are coming, you know, and for them to see that in me and to offer it before I ever uttered a word to them that I was thinking about. Or just, um, that is such you know, a beautiful story. That's such a beautiful that. story. And, and and I just want to sort of fast forward to, to a photo I just found uh, about uh -oh. an hour ago. No, <laughs> no. If you, if you and the cast of Red Tails at the White House in the screening uh, room, yeah. and I just, I just paused because I remember you were working on the closer at the time and you were telling me about the experience because you know, you know, I know I love everything oh, Obama. Yes. So yes. talk a little bit about what that was like. Show up at the White House to show your work <laughs> in a movie about the Tuskegee Airmen to Obama and his wife. Come on. I mean, That's it was, it was, I mean, for so long, that journey was just a constant state of disbelief. Right. I mean, it, back George to the, the phone call of George Lucas calling to want to meet with me. I'm just like, get out of here. What? Like, <laughs> I probably, I probably would have done what the assistant to the producer uh, right. uh, on, I was, I was on doing True Blood when the call came in. And uh, the, the executive producer, her assistant, received the call from George himself, mind you, um, to call to check up on a reference from, uh, you know, for me with the producer, Carol. So he was like, this is wow. George Lucas. And she was like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, she almost cost me the job. But anyway, um, it was, I kept pinching myself, you know, because yeah. it was, to get a film that magnitude, that with that, you know, the integrity mm -hmm. of the story, you know, yeah. uh, 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 such a major milestone in history, you know, and to get to meet living history, yeah. you know, men who I, I used to personally look up to and I studied, you know, they were some of my heroes growing up. Um, sure. It was beyond wowing and, and awing and, and honoring and all of that, you know. But to get to the White House and go through that rigorous um, <laughs> uh, security checkpoint. Uh -huh. um, but when we first got in there, I tell you, I've never had the best popcorn in my life. That's what Their you popcorn. said. That was my favorite part of the article. The <laughs> Popcorn oh my god! Year, it was the best I've ever had. I've never had any like it. I don't know what oh. it is, but it was so amazing. But it just felt so, you know, obviously having leaders like them, you felt it just being in the walls of the White House where it can easily feel cold and yeah. sterile and all of those things. They made it feel so warming, you know, and as true as you've ever heard or if you've ever met them, you know, they they find the time and it, you saw everyone that was in that photo they yeah. went down and looked each person in the eye and shook their hand and you just felt like you were the only one in the room you know both of them 
especially yeah. Michelle. Like it's just oh, like yeah. you just felt so much class and they're a class act. Was, you know, oh they're a class act. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that oh, was just Anthony. beyond. I mean, I was like, this is it's too good to be true. And it's just that thing, you know, it's like even as they tell you sometimes it'll never be as good as your first, you know, mm-hmm. that first experience sometimes. It's like you know, I really don't know if I'm going to have another film experience that that really checks off all of what that gifted me, you know. Right. And, and, and God willing, hopefully I will, but, like, that was so remarkable, you know. Wow. Now, mind you, it was an experience and one that I learned from because, you know, it was – that'll be another podcast we talk about down the line. Okay. But, you know, the process on that film – was life changing, you know. I grew exponentially on it just as a business person and a filmmaker, you know, because the sure. politics that I had to deal with on that was, whew. <laughs> I, I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> well, you're all okay. Now you have to come back. Yeah, uh, that's a, we'll do a whole other on that one alone. But let's let's take a little break, and when we come back. Let's talk a little bit about Pride Month and uh, how proud we are to be gay and to have, be in great relationships. And uh, what's been, what's your past been like as a, as a gay man in America? So let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Anthony Hemingway. And we're back with my friend Anthony Hemingway. Hi, Anthony. Hi. <laughs> so a couple of things. Happy Pride Month. Um, Happy Pride! It, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one since we're all celebrating from from our from our collective computers. Um, tell me a little bit more. Look, I know I'm a different generation than you because you're younger than I am. But I, I know oh, when I came out in the '80s um, as a gay Latino immigrant, my Latino community, like the gay issue, has changed so much in 30 years, right? With with the Latino community. And is that the case in the black community as well? Has there been a greater acceptance of being gay as time has there, passed in the community? There has been progress, but I think like so many other things, there's so much work still to be done. Um, but I think it's becoming quote unquote more normal, you know, yep. and that's what we all want to do and all the work that we, we do and everything we contribute is just to let people know that we are, the same you know we're human and we're being like everyone else and just living our truth and i think it has there has been a lot of progress you know thankfully um thankfully and 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 you know we're all contributing i'm i'm developing things of course you know for the screen to help continue to um uh Tell our, our voice and tell yeah. our stories and everything yeah. and as well as looking for you know every opportunity that I can to <clears throat> figure out how to just to continue to to make strides. Um, yeah, yeah. Were you always out when you were a kid or a no? Not no. at all. Okay. No, I okay. grew up in a very churchy family, so okay. You know, as you can imagine, I you know I just. There were so many things that I, I always knew. There was, you know, I knew it from as as long as I knew how to say my name. 
Sure. Um, I knew I was gay and I, I, you know, I can look back and I did those things. You know, I did my mother's hair, <laughs> you know, I played double <laughs> dutch with the girls in the project. <laughs> um, but, you know, growing up in a society that tells you you're, you know, you're wrong and it's wrong and mm-hmm. you can't be that way. You know, of course, it was, um, you know, a, an internal conflict going on for a very long time. So I did the typical things, you know, I had a girlfriend till I was 25, you know, always, you know, thinking about that day when I could and would actually step out and live my truth and be me, you know, Um, right. But I was, I was following what society told me to follow, you know, I was going to marry a female and have a family and 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 I was gonna do those things until I was 25, and I got to a point where I just was fed up with it, and I just couldn't yeah. couldn't continue living a lie um, for myself, you know. And it was at that point where I just finally found my strength uh, and confidence mm-hmm. to. And the first person I had to tell, which unlocked it all for me, was my mother, you know, because I just yeah. wanted to be. I wanted her love, and I wanted her acceptance. And yes, it took it took. You know, two years prior to me coming out, I rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it in my head, trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to say it. And every time I would come to it, I would lose confidence. And <clears throat> that year that I did it, it was Thanksgiving. Um, I drove, my mother lived in Wilmington, North Carolina at the time, and I drove from Brooklyn to Wilmington just so I could rehearse it wow. <laughs> all nine and a half, ten hours. Oh, um, wow. And it was Thanksgiving holiday, and every day of that weekend, I kept losing confidence. And then the final day, as I was loading my car to head back to New York, um, I just was like, I'm not leaving here until I do it, no matter what the outcome is. And, you know, I ran in and hugged my mother real quick. I was like, Ma, I love you. I hope you still, I'm gay. I hope you still love me. And she (laughs) told me, she pulled me, she pulled me so (laughs) close and tight, like, and where did she go? And she's like, you're only who God made you to be. I love you, you know. And mm-hmm. I just, like, was light as a feather. It was like I flew back to New York. Um, yeah. And from that moment on, it was like a constant, you know, just reaffirming and, and strengthening and everything else. And at that point, I just, I didn't care about anyone else from that that's right. on, you know. That, um, yeah. And so that's where it all began for me. That's so beautiful. And I, I think a lot of parents don't realize how formative it is to have their support as you come mm-hmm. out and how it does make you feel like, well, fuck the rest of the world. My mother loves me. You know, yep. <laughs> it's yep. feel. we all um, just want to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. We just want that acceptance. Yeah, and when I met you with those dimples, you know, you got my inner Yenta going. I kept, I, <laughs> I would come home and I would tell Kyle, I'm like, we have to find him a boyfriend. He's so adorable. <laughs> and I'd go through my mental list and I'd be like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. <laughs> but you found some, you but found someone more than good enough. He doesn't need a boyfriend anymore. Do you want to? I know, because of your beautiful husband, Steven. Where did you guys meet? We met coming out of church uh, on Easter Sunday, um, 2014. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, we have a, we have a, uh, a mutual friend, um, Draco, who really kind of 
connected us together. Um, we were all, you know, the block outside of the church that Sunday as everybody goes to church on holidays, you know, so right. whoever doesn't go on every, every other, every Sunday, um, Shows up. it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like outside of, a, you know, the, the let out of a Beyonce concert, like the whole block <laughs> of La Brea from, from like La Brea from Melrose to Beverly like, was packed. It was crazy. Um, and so I'm, you know, at one point, uh, one part of the block talking to some friends and I see just 10 yards from me, my friend Draco talking to Steven and I, he just commanded my attention. And I, of course, was trying to hurry up the conversation I was having without being rude, but I was mm -hmm. trying to be present in that, but also want to get over there to meet who this person was. Um, and of course, when I got over there, he was gone and I just completely uh, berated my friend was like who is that tell me everything give me the, the rundown <laughs> and so later that day it's so funny because later that day i'll make it quick um draco was about to head to italy for a job and we were all giving him like a going away dinner and so we were all over his house and um uh it do you know it was the, all the things you know we're playing games drinking having food and you know i'm trying not to be so obvious but i'm like that's my teammate blah 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 i chose him for everything and so the day goes by the night we have dinner and then we go back to uh, draco's house because his boyfriend was you know still people were gathering and we were over there still conversating and just you know having normal just life conversations um it just was interesting on how we connected and so by the end of that night we ended up back at my house and we just stayed up till the sun came up talking oh. and drinking wine um and it was just really interesting and so and we didn't even really like nothing happened honestly and it was just a connection and yeah. we didn't even get together then until the new year that that following new year because he was just kind of coming out of the relationship um and uh didn't so they were you know still kind of one foot in one foot out wasn't didn't want right. to whatever you know and so yeah i kind of let it go and then uh that new year's i you know sometimes i throw parties sometimes i don't um i wasn't planning to do one that year and so he had heard that i was a person who liked to throw parties and of course reached out to me and was like are you gonna have a party this year i was like nah and um of course the question made me you know decide to do the party so uh, you know i told him no and then two days later two days I later am now. I put together a flyer and sent them a flyer like here's the <laughs> i love it uh, <laughs> and from then on we've been together uh he's a beautiful man i i got to meet him a couple of times he's wonderful uh and he's doing well with his career his acting career and everything Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's awesome. You know, it's been a, a really, you know, it's it's again just finding that one. You know, I love yeah. hearing you and Kyle talk. You know, and just like yeah. finding the one that just is is the right one. You know, and I know. The light. It's just yeah, it's great. You know, and it's, it's a long term it's, partnership. You know, it, yep. it's uh, and, you want to be with a good guy. You know. Yeah, and thankfully, part of the silver lining within this time, you know, this quarantine time, it's just, you know, it's following our wedding. So it just gave us the chance to really, sure. really, really connect. It's almost yeah. like the longest honeymoon you could ever ask for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's um, great. I, I think uh, I think it's really good for relationships, this idea of 
having no place to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's either good or it will yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure that shit out really fast, you know. And I um, people, I have never been more grateful to be single and without children. Those are, <laughs> I, I'm celebrating the shit out of that. <laughs> you know what? It takes all kinds, honey. It takes all yeah. kinds. Um, yeah. Well, I want to uh, thank you once again for coming back. And I know you're not into politics very much. You know, but every now and then. I just, it's just, you know, sometimes it just, it, it, of course, depending on the topic, it just, I get so pissed off and frustrated with of things course, sometimes. Of course. I just, you of know, course. I, but I would say that this time more than ever, uh, yeah. voting in November is like life or death. So, oh my God. It's so crucial. It is yeah. so crucial. And that's one of the things that Steve and I have been talking about over the last few days have been trying to figure out what we can do to help mobilize and educate. Yeah. Just, you know, even our friends, just just knowing your rights and knowing why we need to do things. You know, we we have been trying to, you know, put together a plan and, you know, give people a little party to educate them, you know. So we're trying to figure those things out. Obviously the 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 pandemic is making that hard. So yeah. We're trying to figure out how we can, you know, really make people become more educated and 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 stand up, you know, as yeah. loud as everyone got for supporting, you know, this movement for George Floyd. We want them to show up against. Them. That's no right. Way. That's right. And, and when there and when there's voter suppression, That's to right. stand in the face of that and say, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm voting no matter what. Yeah, you call. I'm calling my lawyer. Do you know what I mean? Like because the the yeah. voter intimidation is another piece of this systemic racism. Obviously, yes. That it's like you don't get to vote, and you're gonna be, you know, you just get scared away from your rights. And uh, I, uh, to me, it all starts with who we elect in terms of that's all the offices, you know. So that's right. Um, all right. Well, uh, once again. So happy to have had you on in this very emotional week. You are you are a healer. I got to tell you, you are. So you're doing the right. You're in the right job. You're doing your healing through your art. You know. And that's what gave me comfort when I, you know, realized after I got over, you know, the compute completely, you know, the moment of feeling like I just completely wasted my time and my life. I realized that there was just another way that I didn't know and I had to be led to it, you know? And, yes. and so that's why I believe in, you know, destiny and all those things, you know, is, is there's power and conviction in what we speak. And so I think it's, you know, important to, to, to be patient and, and believe. And, yes. and at the same time, I believe that we will, you know, we will move past where we are. You know, it has to change. You know, yeah, so. we, don't, we don't have a choice anymore. We have yep. to. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, that's going to be the best part of this whole thing is that yeah. that we're just at that place. And may I wish you could clone yourself because I wish we had more of you, Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. And I thank you enough for doing the show today. And um, Come back and visit us, will you? Thank you. Absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. Let's do that.
Yes. Be well. Stay safe. Be well. Lots of love. You too. You too. Love to Stephen. And thank you for having me. I will love to Kyle. All right. Oh, he's so dreamy. I, I understand that he is in love with his husband, but if he would just give me a, a chance. <laughs> I think he said he, try, he tried that already, so that's not going to yeah, happen. Whatever. Um, that was such a treat. God. You know, he just comes... Uh, if you notice every subject and everything he talked about, even the hard things, even talking about anger, he came from such a place of love, you know, and that's been my experience with him. He... He really is uh, a good man, and um, God, I miss working with him. Uh, but I have to uh, you, know. you said healer at one point, and he is. He, yeah. he has this ability. He is just so, what what a, a wonderful man, and I'm so glad that, that you brought him on the show. Uh, what a treat. Me too. So. Me too. Very lucky. Um, well, I think we did our job this week. I think this is a great episode, and I'm I'm... Uh, excited to share it with everybody and as always what do we like to remind people to do Tara like to remind people to rate review and subscribe you know what that's a bad line rating on that let me do that a little peppier we'd love for you to rate (laughs) subscribe how was that I love it I love it well Uh, I, I didn't see you this Tuesday but hopefully I'll see you next Tuesday Tara have you been playing this entire show about saying that? Was that? I've been thinking, I said see you next Tuesday, and we weren't live on Tuesday, so now I'm a little muddled. But um, but oh. I'm just saying anyway, because it's my tagline. I know it is, and I love that about you, and, and I just love and adore you. Everybody, please stay safe out there, and, and just do whatever you need to do. Listen. Uh, protest, do whatever you Wear your mask. <laughs> Please. All right, Actually, everybody. All right, we'll see you. No, I'm not going to say it. It's your tagline. I can't say it. Go on, Johnny. Uh, see you next Tuesday, Tara. See you next Tuesday, Johnny. Bye.